Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 191. This is an episode in our special series recorded live from the Podcast Central at Build. We bring you the best guests for some of the best announcements. Raygun gives you complete visibility on errors, crashes, and performance problems affecting your end users. Replicate issues in seconds rather than digging through log files or having to rely on users to report errors or crashes. Raygun gives you a window into how users are really experiencing your software applications. Check it out today at raygun.com. Now we're sitting down with Aaron Chappell and Harry Polapaka from the Windows team working on Windows on ARM. How's it going, you two? Good. It's going great. You? It's a beautiful sunny day in Seattle. Yeah, and I love Build. So this is, uh, this is pretty cool getting to talk to you guys about this because because um, I've heard about the I've heard about this functionality and I actually got to to try it and I'll talk about that here in a little bit. I finally got to to try one of these devices here at the show, um, so I'm pretty excited about it. So I think where we should start is you know like what is this and and basically why are we investing in this? So the the work that we're doing to support Windows on ARM is part of the work we're doing around always connected PCs. Mm-hmm. And so I mean both of you are probably no different than the phenomenon we see today which is that with the rise of the mobile phone people are more and more taking their mobile phone out of that out of the house, right? And using yep. that I I like to say I'm the queen of editing PowerPoint on my uh, <laughs> on my phone. Um, but that's not always the best experience, right. right? And as we think about just, you know, the rise of millennial and where things are going, not only in, in kind of the, the world, but in the workforce, uh, you know, over half the workforce will be millennials by the, the 2020. Um, wow. This ability <laughs> to take the simplicity and connectivity of your mobile phone experience and pair that with the power and creativity of your PC really unlocks a whole different set of scenarios that we think are important uh, for consumers through commercial. I like that too. I, I think that's a good way of thinking about it, right? It's like your phone turns on and off instantly. Yeah. You want your machine, you know, you want your laptop to do the same thing. Exactly. Or your tablet or whatever. Exactly. And that's a great lead into kind of the four characteristics that we believe make an always connected PC. One, it's always connected. It has built in LTE and the OS seamlessly switches between LTE and Wi Fi to manage that for you, the user, to make sure that that's not a complicated experience. Um, two, amazing battery life. You know, and on these devices, we're talking about weeks versus days of, of battery life and, 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 uh, uh, you know, or, or days versus hours and, and weeks of connected standby. Right. Um, you know, my personal experience, uh, I have now twice gone on vacation uh, with an always connected PC that is a, a Windows on ARM uh, yeah. version of an always connected PC. And for a week, left my battery charger at home. I was going to say, uh, yeah. <laughs> you're probably like, I'm intentionally not taking my battery. Exactly. Back. And that's amazing, right? Because <laughs> yeah. you now think about it, it's great to have connectivity. But if you then have to lug around your power cord, then that becomes uh, problematic, right? Right? And so it's great. You don't have to think about this. I can just throw it in my purse. I take it on the road with me. Um, and I have the value that comes from being always connected and not having to worry about that battery life. And I get so paranoid about losing my power cord. Like, I have an extra one. Yes. Because it's like, you know, I'm not actually worried about losing my laptop. But if I lose that power cord, something's... You know, you get nervous and unsettled. I literally purchase one for every location. So, <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm serious. So I have, for, for any device I ever buy... I buy one, I buy an adapter for at home for at my desk, 
uh, for work at my desk. And then I usually will get one for like the living room. And then I will get one that's dedicated for travel. So I usually have four. I think for the surface, I think I have six. Wow. <laughs> so That's amazing. I think I have a problem. So what you need is a Windows 10 on ARM device. <laughs> exactly. Sure. Hey, there's one actually really interesting anecdote from our user research that we did. We actually had one participant who one of the newfound benefits of their Windows 10 on ARM device that they found was actually using it to charge their phone. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, you think about it, that yeah. you, if you can get a PC to a yeah. place where it has a battery life that you are not worried about, that you yep. use it in, in between to charge your phone when you're on your go, that's a pretty amazing accomplishment. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. And so, then just the last two pieces yeah. of this, this what an always connected PC is. Mm-hmm. So always connected, built in, uh, great, amazing battery life. And then it's just the Windows 10 that you know and love, right? Yeah. It supports all the features, inking, Cortana, hello, security. And it does that on a form factor that is conducive to this mobile on-the-go workplace. So yeah, all that sounds really great. And it sounds too good to be true. Like, what, what's the catch? What are, what are we giving up to get that? amazing battery life and, you know, the experience that we've always had and that connectivity. You know, I think that, um, you know, we've focused a, a lot in the in the first wave of these devices on creating a great experience, uh, starting with the device in 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 S mode. Um, so the devices, uh, the Windows 10 on ARM devices, start in, in in S mode, and we've really focused on making sure you don't have to, you know, do a lot of that trade off in thinking, right? So we've natively recompiled the operating system so that it runs at native performance. Um, we've really focused on then porting things with the new April 2018 update. We've done things like Edge, you know, is now natively ARM64 on the device. Um, and we focused on our experience of providing applications through the store um, and making sure that those are available and that we've performance-tuned those applications. Now, mm-hmm. with any device, right, whereas we're porting to a new architecture, you know, there are going to be some places where, as of today, we don't support those applications. But we're trying to make those um, kind of minimize those places where the user has to think about it. And that's probably a great way to turn to, to, to Hari and let him talk about what we're doing with our emulation layer as a way to kind of expand the reach, um, namely in the app category um, yeah. of, of compatibility. So, so when we first did this, right, so what we did is we looked at our telemetry to see what apps people use. Mm-hmm. And we found that the vast majority of the apps have x86 32-bit versions. And so that's why we built an emulation layer for the x86 apps yep. so that on day zero, you can use most of the apps that you're used to. Yep. Right? And if I have something from like... 10 years ago that's a, that is a Win32 app, it, it will run on there. It just works, right? Yep. One of the demos I did is actually I installed GVIM. Now, I don't know if you guys use GVIM or no. not, <laughs> but GVIM is, is, is a pretty popular uh, text editor, right? Yep. Like, people love it. It's not fancy, but it, it's written many, many years ago, mm-hmm. right? It's the number one editor on Unix, and it just worked. So I just installed it, download, boom, it just works. That's very and cool. So, uh, you know, like you said, a lot of those older apps, those are 32-bit only. Right. A lot of them, as they like migrated to 64, they have both 32 and 64 support. And so in my head, just like in the last 30 seconds, trying to figure out like what would really not run, I'm like, the only thing I can think of off the top of my head is something like Photoshop. Right. So, and that's not something that I really use, and there's really good alternatives for for something light and on the go. When we're talking yeah. about the 64-bit Photoshop, yeah. right? Exactly. Well, it, it only comes in 64-bit now. Okay. So they don't have a 32-bit, unless you go back to, like, three, four years ago. And then you have games. You can think of AAA okay. games, right? Like, you got the big Halo Gears of War, 
you got those kinds of games. Okay. And so I, I think you bring up a really important point, which is, you know, one of the challenges when you introduce kind of a, a new category or a new capability of device is that people look at it and bring their expectations of what a PC is into this environment. Yeah. And so if somebody comes in with the expectations that this is just a PC and it works in all the places that a PC works, that's probably not the right um, kind of expectation mm-hmm. to have of the device. So, you know, as Hari talks about high-end gaming, um, if I'm a person who's doing high-end and video editing, photo editing, and I and I largely do that within my office or within my home, mm-hmm. right? The value of the device is not really going to sing. But what we see is when um, customers really use it in the way that it's intended, which is I'm on the go, all right? Maybe I'm a uh, personal chef that's like roaming around the city, working in different clients, you know, over the course of the day. Maybe I'm a real estate agent that's on the go. Maybe I'm a freelance writer, right? And I want to be able to, to be able to be productive while I'm on the go, then the value that comes with that battery life and connectivity and the fact that the applications that I typically use on a regular basis work on the device, that provides me with this additional value. Yeah. And so that's you, where we see the device really delighting the customers. Yeah. Because here, here's how I thought about it. You know, the, the, if, you look at, um, if you look at like the original Surface, which was ARM, or if you look at like the, the iPad, you know, it's interesting. You see people that they, they go through this exercise like, hmm, maybe I can replace my computer with this. And it usually ends in a lot of frustration because you get to like this last layer where, you know, like on my original Surface, I was on vacation with it and I think I needed to print something to PDF and like it just didn't have that functionality. It was super frustrating. Um, and, and you're, you're like boxed in because like if it, if it's not like this super basic feature that they provide on the box, like you, you were just done. And so whenever that, whenever this first got, uh, this feature got announced or basically like this partnership with Qualcomm and this whole windows, uh, on arm functionality, I was super excited about it. And I still am super excited about it because to me, it's, it's this ability to, um, have that experience that people want, like you said, with the, the, the battery that lasts forever and all these other things, you know, I can, I can do like my, my, um, content consumption and I'm barely using any power. I can watch movies and do all that kind of stuff. I can take it on a plane. And then if I'm on vacation and like, you know, I get a call like, Hey Jason, like we have this bug, you're the only one that can fix this. Then I could open up like something like visual studio, right? Like I can do that. And I don't even, at that point, I don't even care. Maybe it does use a little bit more battery or whatever, but like the fact that I can do that is something that you just can't do on these other devices. So to me, like this just makes a ton of sense. You know, it's great at 99% of the things it does. And the other one percent, at least it has the capability of doing those. So that's so why the I was key thing, though, it. to keep in mind is with um, Build, we are mm-hmm. announcing the ARM 64 SDK preview. So what okay. that means is you can actually take your Photoshop mm-hmm. and recompile to ARM 64 if you do want it. So if Adobe wants, they can take the SDK, oh, okay. they can recompile Photoshop for ARM 64. That's very cool. So the idea with the emulation is it's a day zero problem, right? You yeah. bought this device on day zero. I need my Java from 1990. Yeah. Right? And, and you actually just already answered the next question I was going to ask because, you know, as a, as a UWP developer, you're used to those drop downs and yeah. you're already building ARM is in there and then exactly. you have x86 and x64. But in, for classic apps, you only saw x86 and x64. So now you're saying that, um, there's another toolkit that I can install, which will give me the ability to target ARM, um, ARM 64. ARM 64, and it's just Visual awesome. Studio, by the way. It's just part of the. It's just part of Visual Studio. I've heard of so, this so, tool. So, uh, uh, and that's in the the 15.7. 15.8 preview one. Oh, 
Okay, 15.8 preview one. If you want that, that's what we have to look for. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, well, that's really cool. And so I think you see that we're, you know, we, we focused on really understanding who the first set of customers are, creating that experience, and then, you know, those edges that you might run into, we're continuing to, to smooth those out. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, on, on day zero, really, you know, with our emulation app, the piece of feedback we've gotten is that there is a growing amount of 64-bit only applications that exist yeah. out there, or applications that have drivers, right, that you need, and, and that's not something that we emulate today. Um, and yet, in those cases, what you really want is you want the app to be, you know, natively recompiled so it runs yep. natively on the device. And we've now, with the with the preview SDK, um, opened up that option for our developer community. Right. We probably should look, talk about performance because I sort of mentioned it before. Like, there's this perception that there's this performance hit. I mean, because anytime you're talking emulation, there's going to be a hit. So the question is how much. And I've I've heard, and but I I didn't hear anything very like conclusive that like Chrome was slower. So I actually went over, you know, and, and I saw one of these machines. And the first thing I did, somebody had actually already installed Chrome on it. I started using Chrome and Carl was there with me. And I started navigating between different websites. I was really like trying to push you, Chrome. You were pushing like like the 3D well, WebGL. I even went to like Babylon JS and yep. like I was doing like 3D stuff. And you're like, hey, what are people talking about? who doesn't know Jason, he's really great. If somebody's going to break an application <laughs> in 30 seconds, it's him. Yeah. And he was going to like those ones that were doing like the in the browser 3D effects and like spinning the models mm. and, and, and <laughs> Going to the maps yeah. and zooming and tilting and doing all that stuff as yeah. fast as he could. And it was, it kept up amazing. It was amazing. fine. It was good. So I the mean, thing to keep in mind, the reason it kept up, like emulation, if you think about it, we are emulating user mode apps. Mm-hmm. We are only emulating your user mode CPU code. But when you're writing to the GPU, you're writing to the network, you're writing to the disk, oh, it cool. all goes into the kernel mode. So it's not as big of a hit as you might think. Where the drivers take over and they run yeah. natively. So when you're doing your GPU 3D thing, okay. all of that goes to the kernel mode. The GPU is writing it to the screen. <laughs> so that's all native ARM. Yeah. Right? So, so that's, that's actually another really good tip for developers. When you're already doing that, you know, that doesn't affect these in, in, that, uh, in that mode. Right. So what about uh, the Windows subsystem for Linux or the, the Bash support? Well, it's just a PC, <laughs> so you'd expect Windows and Bash to work on this. And so we've been working with Canonical over the last couple of weeks. Yep. And so Canonical is almost ready to submit the ARM64 uh, version of Ubuntu to Woo-hoo. the store. Indeed. <laughs> that is and, so cool. And today, as part of our build session, we will be demoing it for the very first time, and yep. we'll show ARM64 Bash running cool. on Windows. So we're talking about it before it's announced, but by the time people hear the show, it would have already been announced, so it right. won't be as exciting. So but. it'll be a store app, and you can just go to the store and download it, just like you do today. That is super cool, because I know that that was, that was one of the things that people are like, oh, well, that, that's kind of unfortunate that it's not there. So that's really cool that it's there. Um, but it'll be the it'll be the R it'll be ARM Linux then. Yes, so it'll be ARM sixty four Ubuntu. That's very interesting. That could actually be useful for like uh, IoT development. Oh yeah, that that is really <laughs> a, a good idea. Yeah. It would be a, a, probably like a, a halfway step to like do testing for like you know, like when you're doing container work on Linux and yeah yeah. Actually, it would really for I, IoT development overall. I think it would yeah. actually probably be a pretty good machine for that. Um, so that's pretty exciting. You know, you were talking about like some of the characteristics of these um, these PCs as a whole, uh, just being a lot more pleasant to use. Battery. You know, one of the things I've heard about them, and I, I just kind of wanted to call out, it, asking if it is a characteristic across the board or just some of them, is because they're ARM and have lower heat profiles. That many of them are fanless. Yeah. Are they all like that? Because 
Uh, like my prime example is I have a Surface Book in front of me right now, and yeah. if I open Slack and Teams at the same time, this thing turns into a jet engine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that is one of the benefits of the partnership that we have in working with with Qualcomm is just the experience that they have in the chip and power and performance of that chip, and specifically power management, mm-hmm. right? And so they are fanless designs. Um, it's it's interesting because the they have um, I think yeah, experience in the size of the board as well and its ability to dissipate heat in the device, right, which can help you in making the devices thinner. Um, and then they, lighter as well, right? And lighter as well. Um, and then, you know, that can also contributes to the amazing battery life that you get, right? And the interesting thing, which we haven't talked about, which is my favorite feature of uh, the Windows 10 on our device I have, is its instant-on capability. Yes. Um, I literally open the keyboard. Uh, mine is a detachable. I flip open the keyboard, and it seems like Hello authenticates me, and I'm at the desktop before the keyboards actually even hit the desk. It says hello before you can. Exactly. <laughs> well, it, that was exactly. one thing that was always frustrating in the past because like many years ago, like Windows just took forever to recover from yes. standby. Yeah. And then they did like a ton of work and they're like, yes, yeah. it's like instant. And it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> no. And, so. I, and you and I, we actually talked about it a couple of years ago. I was like, I was like, you know what I really want? I want, and I wanted, I wanted kind of a device that I could kind of throw around the house, right? Where you'd like push the button, it would instantly be like, hey, I want to look something up real quick. Push the button, and then I put it away. Kind of, kind of like a phone with yeah. a with a big screen in it. It's awesome to actually see that, like that's coming to fruition. Well, and it's you know you don't realize all the ways in which you kind of adapt to the technology around you. And I'm a firm believer that you want the technology to fit into your life in a more seamless way. And so, I mean, think about walking around the office. How many people do you see lugging around a big power cord with their laptop open because they don't want it to go (laughs) to sleep, right? Because when they then just coming here, like right before we did this, I was like you know, across the hall over there yeah. and it was plugged in and I just like unplugged it, carrying like everything yeah. kind of still connected together. Yeah. yeah. And so, and so, you know, there's a lot less, uh, uh, open laptops in, in our yeah. buildings because I don't even think about like closing it, throwing it in my purse and going to the next meeting. You know, I know that it's going to instantly resume. Um, cool. and that, you know, really helps us as well with, with the longevity of the battery life. Yeah. Raygun provides full stack error, crash and performance monitoring for tech teams. Whether you're a software engineer looking to diagnose and resolve issues with greater speed and accuracy, a product manager drowning in bug reports, or you're just concerned you're losing customers to poor quality online experiences, Raygun can provide you with the answers. Get full stack error and performance monitoring in one place. The next time you're struggling to replicate errors and performance issues in your code base, think Raygun. Head over to raygun.com. Get up and running within minutes and dramatically improve the online experiences of your users. How many models are there? I mean, like, uh, how do I buy these? Like, how many are there? Um, we have uh, announced three the partnerships with uh, three OEMs that are in the initial wave of devices. So uh, Lenovo, Asus, and HP. Okay. Um, and those devices, um, the uh, Asus and HP are available uh, today, depending upon what market you're in, right? They're kind of rolling out in different markets across the... And uh, Lenovo will come later um, in the upcoming kind of months here. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I'd encourage folks, if, if you think that this aligns with uh, some of the challenges that you face in your PC experience today to go take a, take yeah. a spin. This would be great for like students... Yeah. And for, yeah, this, I mean, well, my wife like would like Anybody who travels thing. a lot. Yeah. I mean, anybody who travels. Very cool. Um, so what kind of price points are, are these initial ones hitting at? Um, there's a range of price points yeah. in the devices, and that's really set by the OEM and, but, the, and I mean, the design. Like just these initial ones. I'm curious. What, like, the, the two that are out on market, like, I mean, roughly. I, 
I, I, the, the HP device that exists today is roughly, I think it, the list nine, price is $999. $999. Um, awesome. And the Asus device is... Stocks at $599. $599 for oh. uh, uh, 4 gigs of RAM. Um, and then there's a 8 gig RAM model as well. Okay. So, so that sounds like pretty much in line with what's out there. Plus, you get all these other great benefits. Yes. I think the LTE is the big key difference that you don't get at similar price models, right? Okay. For me yeah. personally, for example, uh, my machine, I have a SIM card in there, and I don't even know the password for any of the Wi-Fi connection <laughs> parts because I don't need it. I just open my laptop and I start. Right that's cool. And, the, and you you always get that then? Because it's yeah, the they're all, they're part and parcel of the process. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That is cool. Because yeah. <laughs> normally that's like, sometimes it's like a $500 option. Exactly. It's, a, it's, it's an like, extra add-on option that you pay more money to get the LTE yeah. SIM. In this case, it's already built into the base price. Okay, that's super yeah. cool. And then... Um, you know, sort of the theme that we're talking about, like, uh, you know, what's the general theme about like what you want to do in the future? Like what's the roadmap for this? You know, so I I think we started off in, you know, the the consumer, what we consider prosumer space, right? Targeting students, as you say, or mobile professionals that are on the go, right? That's kind of the first, uh, you know, wave of devices are are targeted in that space. But, you know, it's really interesting to look in in the future at at commercial as a really compelling opportunity um, to move into. If you think about just the investment that's happening today in 5G um, with the mobile operators carriers around the world and you look at what enterprises are concerned about they're concerned about cost security <laughs> management simplicity yeah um, and so today you know much like they already are moving to offload compute offload storage to the cloud it's very compelling to think about offloading network to the cloud. Right. And then as an IT shop, I don't have to worry about managing the infrastructure of my Wi-Fi networks, making sure they're up to date, they're secure. I don't have to worry about my employees as they travel, right? You know, public Wi-Fi spots are a, a very um, a vector, right, around malware yep. and kind of attack. I, don't, I honestly just don't use them anymore. Yeah. And so <laughs> and so as you think about it, but today one of the challenges is um, that for an IT shop to really think about delivering a cellular PC or an always connected PC, it's it's quite complicated, right? You've got to go order the physical SIMs from your um, carrier. You've got to order the devices. You've got to somehow trust your users to do the configuration. <laughs> um, you can't really set policy on that device because uh, and so, you know, I know we're all like, you know, uh, trustworthy people in here, but, you know, Jason, you could like take out your SIM card and give it to your friend. And, yep. and so, yeah, I, I'm concerned, right, about cost and all of that. And so as we also think about the rise of, of eSIM technology, right? And the ability to be able to, you know, configure automatically a device that's provisioned with a with an eSIM uh, profile and then be able to set policy on that through a mobile device management solution. You create a really compelling, you know, a story for the enterprise around creating this experience back to, you know, more than half of the workforce being millennials by the year 2020, mm-hmm. you know, their expectations of the organization is that they're going to provide me a modern experience and a mobile experience and, and for me to be able to unlock the creativity. And so um, that really kind of, you know, gives them the ability to give their, 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 their employees what their employees are looking for in a way that is cost effective um, and secure and manageable from their point of view. And that's, a, so, that's an awesome view of the future because, you know, when my, when my kids were younger, it was funny because like we'd leave the house house and they're like dad like why why is the internet not working like they didn't get it like they they just thought the internet was just this thing that existed that just like was there 
And then when we left the house, it was just like, whoa, I'm in the scary world where the internet doesn't yeah. exist. And, <laughs> and now, now what I'm hearing, I mean, it seems like in five, maybe 10, you know, like with 5G and these other things, like, it seems like that, that whole thing, like everybody can start to be like that. Like, I thought the internet was just this thing that existed because I just take my machine everywhere and like just stuff just works. I just, yeah. I pay a monthly fee and I don't know what's going on, but it's there. So that's, exactly. that's pretty cool. Yeah. Air, water, and connectivity. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, is, is there anything else that we miss that we should talk about? I, I think, you know, maybe one thing I would just say is that, um, you know, given this is a developer audience, mm-hmm. I'd really encourage the developer community to take a look at the device and, and not only from the point of view of the applications you have today mm-hmm. and how do you, you know, it's amazing. We have the ARM32, right, drop mm-hmm. down in the UWP store submittal, but it's amazing how many people don't check that, right? And it's, you know, just, it's easy, right? And that you can take your yeah. application. Or, or that they try to over micromanage it and like, well, I can't imagine anybody needing yeah. that, so I'm going to uncheck that, yeah. remove that from my bundle. Exactly. And you're limiting right your total addressable market in terms of who the app can be available to and so i would say you know first and foremost take a look at the device it's a surface area there you know depending upon the application that you have um you could if you have an x86 application today kind of make it available on the device maybe if it's a uwp app make sure that you're submitting the arm 32 version if it's something that you are interested in performance or some reason or whatnot where you're 64-bit only take a look at the sdk um and then not only look at what you are doing today but also think about where the direction of these devices are going and say, you know, how can you think about that to your advantage in the applications that you are developing and how could the fact that somebody has an always connected PC that is on the go, that has this battery life, what could that do as you think about the value you're providing in the applications you're authoring? That's a great point. For me, if I think about this device, like an ideal app, imagine Pokemon Go on this. (laughs) You have LTE, you have a big battery Uh life. Yeah. You have widescreen, the AR experience on this would be so awesome. Yeah. Does is is there a is there a version of VS Code that that works on ARM? I mean, I'm sure it would work on the emulation layer, but is there an ARM ver? I mean, I don't know if anybody here knows that. No. Uh, so VS Code uses something called Electron. Yeah. So that's a Chromium Chromium based product. So that I don't believe has an ARM 64 version for Windows that's yet. Interesting. Okay. But I like I said, we have the SDK. Yeah. Nothing is preventing anybody from actually. Yeah, yeah. and I can still run VS Code on it. Like exactly. I understand that. So. Okay, very cool. Very cool. Okay, uh, so where can people... So let me oh, yeah, just reinforce ahead. Aaron's point. Sure. So today is the second day of build. Yesterday was the first day of build. Yep. We had a member uh, of one of the build attendees. He had come over to our booth. He was trying out his app <laughs> on our device. And he had only submitted an x86 version of his app. And so he installed the app. And he was like, oh, this is not that smooth. Yeah. I do feel a little bit of a lag here. Eh. So he goes back home. He comes today morning. He's one of the first guys in. And he's like, here, he gives us a USB key. And he's like, here, I recompiled my app for ARM. <laughs> I want to try it out right now. And he tried it and instant, like smooth, no difference. So we asked him, how oh, much effort did it take? He's like, 10 minutes. All I did, I opened Visual Studio, pulled up my project, created an ARM well, and it worked and the that's first it. time. Like, obviously, it yes. was something easy. <laughs> right, that's the first time. Clearly, he had no device with him, right? He went right. home. Right. He came today morning and he's like, That's a long boom. debug cycle. <laughs> and so I think to reinforce the point, it's universal, right? UWP yeah. stands for universal. Yeah. So just recompile your app to ARM, submit an ARM package, and we expect all of them to just work. Okay, very cool, very cool. Okay, so Hari, where can people find you? So I'll be in the Windows 10 or ARM yep. booth 
uh, on the convention floor. Okay. I, we also have a session today okay. for Windows 10 ARM for developers where we'll go in-depth into the SDK. We'll have some demos. And that should be available online, too, I would guess. That should be available online. And then uh, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. Okay. Uh, my your... Twitter handle is the real Hari P. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And what about you, Aaron? Uh, I'm on Twitter as well. I'm at Aaron Chappell. Very cool. Carl? I'm on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. And I'm on Twitter at twitter.com slash ytechie. So Aaron and Hari, thank you so much for coming on here and talking about this because this is definitely something I had some questions around and I, I just think this is really cool. So I suspect one of these devices will be in my house very soon. <laughs> so thank you so much. Very cool. Thank you so much for having us. <laughs>